0: Hey everybody, uh, Rob Liefeld here. We are back with all new Rob'servations. Happy New Year. We are barreling into 2021. Big smiles, big hopes, big dreams. Uh, really excited to be back um, on the pod talking to you guys. Uh, missed, missed this uh, more than I uh, really could imagine. I really loved podcasting and uh, sharing stories. And talking comics and talking pop culture. And there was so much of it in that two week break. And I don't, uh, I will not discuss uh, stuff like Wonder Woman 84 at this juncture. Um, certainly it, it dominated every aspect of of social media online, it was everywhere. But it just goes to prove comics are all around us, just like Uncle Billy sings in uh, Love Actually. And instead of Love is All Around Us, comic books are all around us. We just need to come to this uh, this realization that that that, uh, that they are never ever ever leaving us because uh, you know they, they just they dominate now and, and 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 you know we are anticipating you know you know when will the next comic book thing come out and when will the next uh, cartoon and I mean every day there is announcements about comic book projects. I know I have a, a million. I'm trying to move forward myself, but like you guys, I'm a fan. I, I love to consume this stuff. I, I think next up for everybody is, is uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I'm very excited by. I, I hope one day they tell the entire story of how dirty he was done uh, by all the people at Warner Brothers Studios at the time because that was just ugly. It's the kind of stuff that even like, you know, I'm pretty sure my phone calls weren't being taped, but me and my buddies who would discuss it, we did it in hushed tones like, oh, isn't this terrible? And you know, great, a great triumph for Zach to be bringing, uh, bringing his true vision of Justice League back in, in all of those, uh, all of that extra footage, all that along extended um, footage that we're going to get on HBO Max. I'm digging the streaming services. The stuff I'm enjoying myself uh, is obviously Mandalorian just ended on such a high in Cobra Kai. And again, two shows that seem to have a fair amount of fan service. And, and, you know, when is that a bad thing? I I think, I think the smiles it puts on everybody's faces, uh, is, is it's, those smiles exist for a reason. Fan service exists for a reason. And so, uh, Mandalorian and Cobra Kai were kind of the bookends of, of my vacation. I I hope you guys enjoyed them as much as I did. I really thoroughly enjoyed them looking, you know, forward to so much more. Uh, I know the Marvel shows are going to launch here very soon. And uh, with WandaVision in a couple weeks, uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon or Falcon Winter Soldier, however you say it, very excited for that one too. That looks really amazing and maybe full of um, some surprises. So anyway, we are back and the, the, the series that we're going to start today is in celebration of a little fella, a little buddy of mine known as Deadpool, Mr. Wade Wilson, Mr. Merck with the Mouth. Uh, he is turning 30 uh, th- this this year. The cover date on New Mutants 98 is, I believe, February or March of 91, even though the book actually arrived in the middle of December uh, from the newsstand. And again, it's funny when people people online will argue with me like, that didn't come out in December. No, it did. It did because New Mutants 100, uh, obviously two issues after New Mutants 98, we shipped that book monthly. New Mutants 100, double-sized no less. Uh, no gimmicks. One of my favorite comics I've ever done. New Mutants 100 came out in February, because then I had a few months to get X Force out in the in in the stores by June. Every retailer will tell you that X Force number one arrived in June of 1991, which means it's X Force's 30th anniversary. Which trust me, we got some special stuff coming up. We're going to discuss. We're going to share. Um, but 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 that we're, we're we're putting the cart before the horse here. X Force. 30th anniversary is 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 1991, and, and specifically this summer, and I just an interesting story is that so I've been doing comics in 1991. I've been working in comics for almost five years at that point, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, who my wife actually set me up with it back back in the um, early 1990 or mid 1990 she was taking courses at the local junior college. And so I wanted to be suddenly live the student life. And so I enrolled in a bunch of, uh, spring, spring semester in 1991. And the day New Mutants 100 came out was my first day of my classes, uh, at the junior college of which I am happy to say, as I was a fully employed, my career was, was jamming. Okay. Um, but I took like some random classes just to be on the campus and hang out with my girlfriend and my other buddies. And uh, I lasted about 10 days. I, I don't think I made it a full two weeks. And I'm like, what am I doing? I, I have to get these comics done. So it was a perfect time to put my foot in the water because because New Mutants 100 was done and I had officially, you know, the, the downtime or I was in full-on preparation mode for launching uh, X-Force, which to arrive in June had to go to press in May. So, you know, there was really never a day off, but maybe the two or three weeks that I had uh, of padding, I used that by pretending to be a student again. And again, I was like, you know what, I, I can just, you know, see the girl on the weekends. And uh, that relationship eventually crashed and burned. So, uh, you know, which, which led to my now almost 26 years of marriage. So, so that ended, all those things ended up well for me, but I'm, I, I New Mutants 100 is so, memorable to me as it came out in february and again x-force kicked off uh in in the summer now x-force's cover date will tell you that it's august but you every comic book store in america that was open at that time and tr- trust me there's plenty who are still around especially fans will tell you june was the kickoff of x-force one we do need to almost do an extended or observations on cover dates and shipping dates a cover date is not a ship date a ship date The cover, the the date on the cover can mean many things. It used to mean when you pulled the book, like this actually cycles out by no later than March or February for a book that arrives in December. So uh, the actual shipping dates and the cover dates are not the same, but New Mutants 98 is cover dated 91. So we get an entire year. It really doesn't matter. He turned 30 at the end of 90 and we're going to party for the next 12 months celebrating Mr. Poole. And uh, he, he and I have this unique relationship. I made him. I am the uh, man who brought him to life. And so in, in, in keeping with behind the scenes, you know, I'm the guy that can tell you so much of how Deadpool was brought to life and maintained over this very long period. And um, obviously very, very many versions of Deadpool have existed, exist even today, uh, in, 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 in 2021. And, uh, am I a fan of all of them? No. And I, and I never will be. And I probably shouldn't be like that. You know, there, there, there's a wide variety of expression with any cover, uh, character, uh, such as a Spider-Man or a Captain America, a Superman. I'm not fans of all of those versions either. I, I probably like the least amount of Batman of anybody. My, 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 Focus on Batman is very narrow. I, I really need it to fit into the Dark Knight, um, you know, box that, that, that Frank Miller established. I wasn't really a fan of Batman before Frank Miller, and ditto Daredevil. Neither of those characters really exist with any appeal for me outside of Frank's version. And so many uh, people have, have you know, learned to hew as close as possible to Frank's version, I, I would say, starting with Tim Sale. Um, Certainly Jim Lee, people don't stray very far from Frank's version, uh, especially DC really leaned in hard with Dark Knight 3, and you had Andy Kubert doing his version of Frank, and he would tell you this, these aren't, this is nothing that these guys wouldn't tell you that they were doing. Frank is uh, a classic, Uh, I mean, I've seen the cover to Dark Knight 1, I've seen the original, the oversized, the line art, the, the, the airbrushing painting by Lynn Varley. I've, I've seen the price tag of a half a million dollars uh, on, on that silhouette. It's a silhouette. This is what Frank's Batman does. It's the weight that it carries. So my my interest in all characters is always, you know, very limited. I don't... Um, I'm one of those guys who really prefers creepy Spider-Man, like like Ditko. The, the, the way I believe he was intended to look. Like a spider. The more uh, glossy, commercial... Uh, a, you know version of Spider Man, which became I would say the most licensed, therefore maybe maybe the most popular version, uh, by John Romita Sr. is not my favorite rendition. I am more uh, Steve Ditko and Todd McFarlane. The John Romita Sr. Spider Mans are beautifully illustrated. They are they are they are flawless. But I just they don't it doesn't appeal to me. It leaves me cold. You know, just like with music, art, movies, comics renditions of characters, it's all the same. It's, it's, it's what's your, you know, it's what's your flavor, right? And, and as far as myself, you know, uh, when, when it comes to certain characters, I don't enjoy every aspect of them. And certainly not when it comes to characters that I created, I am not, uh, obligated on any level to like a version of a character that, that, that I, that immediately kind of maybe rubs me the wrong way, or or I think could be done sharper or, or I can just recognize that, that's just a different uh, application of the character, and that's how someone expresses it. And I'm glad it exists, but it's not the, the way I would interpret it. It's fun. It's fun like that. I mean, again, getting back to Star Wars, I, I really like George's pure version. I believe the Mandalor- Mandalorian uh, is 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 closer to George's pure version of the Star Wars universe uh, than the the the. Recent Disney films, except for Rogue One, which is perfect. Rogue One is, is is so oh I could do a whole podcast on Rogue One. I rewatched it over the holidays. It fits so perfectly, so seamlessly. It's got everything I loved about Star Wars, the look, the feel, uh, the the, the just organic texture to the worlds, the characters, the, the 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 certain aged quality of all the stuff. I just I just uh that is without a doubt my absolute favorite rendition of Star Wars is the George Lucas vision when other people take it in a different direction. Um, it, it, it needs to apply some of those things for it to be appealing to me. That's just me, you know? Um, so, so again, it's just, it's funny how when you have a character and it ages and it becomes, um, more, you know, co-opted by the people and in truth, and I've said this many times, if you've seen me on stage at, at, at any of the conventions, when I give my talks, uh, look, um, you know, Deadpool and popular characters, Superman, Batman, they are owned by us. They are owned by the people. Marvel owns legally the character, but the, the 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 characters are shared uh by the fans who love them, adore them, celebrate them on merits of their, you know, that that, that, that exist outside of Marvel Comics. When when I see twenty Deadpool cosplayers, um, yes, Marvel owns that the, the the Deadpool character Disney owns it. Marvel owns it the the, the the trademark the you know they don't own those cosplayers who are putting blood sweat and tears in those outfits and 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 carrying on for days in in fantastic fashion, entertaining all of those those performances those renditions, their expression of Deadpool that's theirs. They own that. they love that. Same with Star Wars, you know. Batman, all the different stuff that we've discussed, so so watching something become part of something bigger has been really satisfying, and the great thing with Cable and Deadpool, because they are kind of the left and right, the yin and yang, they, they really need each other in in regards to their history with each other that I'm going to get into, uh, the thing with the, these characters is from the outset, from the jump, they were toys, they were video games, they were cartoons, they, they, they have now, you know, live live on film portrayed by you know such amazing talents as ryan reynolds and josh brolin um zazie beats uh portraying domino is as magnificently as she does i mean these are really funny really exciting interpretations um that that, and and to watch these guys i mean deadpool was and cable was an overnight sensation i was there i experienced it i was on the phone it was being managed uh so, so the intention of these multi, this multi episode series because we're going to get into all of this. We're going to get into the comics. We're going to track him. We're going to get into the toys. We're going to track the toys. We're going to get the video game explosion, which really, to me, is the most powerful undercurrent of the character going back a decade that really introduced him to kids that were my kids' age. You know, ten years ago when my sons were six and four or or, or eight and six, that is where they got to know Deadpool from the. I mean, almost annual sometimes. Every nine months, Deadpool was featured in a video game or starring in a video game or getting a video game of his own and, and in a culture that now where video games seem to be the predominant entertainment option for young people, more so than even when I was a kid and they were so ridiculously popular, but now, I mean, it is just, uh, it's a lifestyle and, and, and Deadpool uh, and Marvel wisely, whoever ran all those divisions over those periods, uh, plugging Deadpool in the way that they did and giving him all that exposure in those games. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss the life in those video games, the effect they had on people, the 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 signal boost that it gave Deadpool. I mean, trust me, I watched, I watched it with two young males, two young uh, video game crazed boys who were introduced to him via, via video games and never looked back and loved him without knowing that their dad had anything to do with the character that they were playing. So, so beyond video games and toys and cartoons and then movies and cosplay, we're going to cover all of it. Cause again, I've been there. I've, I've had a front row seat. Okay. I made him, you know, again, he, uh, <laughs> there's a, I don't have it, uh, in front of me, but after Deadpool, uh, number one the 2016, the, the first film came out, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Mr. Deadpool himself sent me a letter and said, thank you for, you know, pushing him out. Uh, you know, and giving birth to him, and 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 all the wounds and the cuts that you endured uh, pushing him out. I, I, it made me laugh out loud. It's it's something that I always think of, it because it, it's so very raw in its imagery, right? So so anyway, Deadpool's thirtieth. I love documentaries. I love going behind the scenes. There is a. Uh, it came out right after the the, the first prequel series ended. So uh, shortly after. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, George Lucas, Lucasfilm—you know—still, he 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 owned it. It was pre-Disney. Put out this, um, uh, you know, the six movies together, the trilogy, and then the prequel. And in it was a documentary called Empire of Dreams. And Empire of Dreams is one of my favorite documentaries ever. It's deep. It's almost three hours. It is loaded with a, a, amazing behind-the-scenes, you know, details and spectacle. And, and process stuff that I just, a junkie like me just eats that stuff up. So in keeping with how they did that, that's how I'm trying to approach this. I loved watching uh, Ben Burtt. He is the guy that gave us all the sounds, the way the droids sound, the way the lightsabers sound, the way Chewbacca sounds. He recorded animals. He recorded, um, he recorded like power lines. He hit the power lines with a wrench, you know, and, and, and a fork, and, and a screwdriver and the wow wow wow, whatever that, that, that emanated from that. He he uh Ben Burt committed that to his his tape recorder at the time as he built out the sounds of of Star Wars, which when you think about it, so much of the you know, especially to me, again I've mentioned going from Logan's run in nineteen seventy six to the you know, of of the blasters and the rapid fire speed and the lightsabers. I'm doing a terrible job, right? But all of that is covered with Ben Burt. and you just go, wow, I love knowing that stuff. I love know-. So if you're like me and you love knowing that stuff, I'm going to kind of guide you through all of this. And, 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 and we're going to get to the end of the weeds and really examine how Deadpool came to be, why he was so popular when he hit, which is, you'll get my version of that in regards to how I, how it hit me in how I interacted with it. Cause, cause I was there, I was first and, uh, I mean it it it's it, it's all really fun for me to to relive to to uh, to recount. So here we go. And and as you guys know, I was given the New Mutants title with the promise that I would take it over. Uh, because the book and, and this isn't you know, it's it's not personal. The fact is the book was flailing, it was falling in sales, it was no longer as popular, the separation from the rest of the family was fairly severe. And it was falling into the middle of the pack of Marvel comic sales. While the rest of the X-Men were, were really rising, Wolverine had, had really thrived in his own series. X-Factor had really found itself when they um, changed creative teams. And Walt Simonson came on and hit that book like a Mack truck. His, you know, I was giving up on X-Factor until Walt arrived. And his visuals, it's it's this weird under-celebrated run that people kind of don't talk about because his Thor... Stuff is so great and cast such a deep shadow on his career. But the uh, the, the regular X-Men book was, as I've talked of in, in these podcasts, go and, and, and check out those X-Men episodes where we talked about how it got so popular. Marvel marketing figured, hey, we can do two books a month. We Rather than spin off a new, you know, any new comic from Marvel, we can take X-Men and make it bi-weekly and get two, you know, top sales in the same month, you know, four times a year, get eight of these, you know, nine of these, and, and and it was something that they they gamed that system and created an all new, uh, you know, they they basically created all new rules in the game with the X Men, but New Mutants was lagging far behind in in, in into the and in, into somebody who had an unbiased take, who was just a pure Marvel fan and wanted to like these books better. Um, that the the characters were dated the powers were boring, the consequences and the stakes were were very low. And, and so I had negotiated that if I were going to come on board, because I had, again, this is the reality of young Rob Liefeld was that I was, I was living the comic book dream. I had multiple offers. I had Doctor Strange. I had the Hulk. Bobby Chase offered me the Hulk. Ralph Macchio, uh, these are different editors at, at Marvel, uh, offered me Doctor Strange. Danny Fingeroth offered me Alpha Flight. New Mutants was the one that was the least amount of had held the least amount of appeal, but maybe I could take some of these uh, ideas that I was forming for Alpha Flight or maybe the Hulk or some of these other books and and uh, and and apply them to New Mutants and ultimately my editor and you're going to hear this guy's name a lot Bob Harris he means a great deal to me he was uh, he, he he gave me uh, he gave the young buck enough uh, you know open range to to find. Find myself, find my speed. You know the old Todd McFarlane. Let the Bronco Buck. Let the Bronco Buck. Uh, Bob Harris. Let the Bronco Buck. And and it 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 benefited him. It benefited me. It benefited Marvel. It was it was fantastic. It was a great experience. I will always be indebted to Bob for letting uh, for just taking the reins off me and letting me roam free. And I believe as I look at my shelf of a multitude of Deadpool action figures from Mezco, from Hasbro, from Hot Toys, from Sideshow. Um, Look, this is the product of letting the Bronco buck. Letting my imagination fill up new mutants ended up great for everybody. Ended up great for everybody. Continues to pay off for all involved. So I will always um, be indebted, have my admiration goes to Bob for allowing me and so uh, to, to 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 take on New Mutants and alter it, and part of that alteration was introducing Cable. And we've gone over the origin of Cable. Those are several different episodes. Long story short, new teacher, uh, all sorts of mystery. The playbook was Wolverine. The playbook for Cable was Wolverine, man of mystery. Uh, lots of different facets to his to his origin. Lots of different twists, and uh, you know, super soldier uh, from the future, trying to save mutant kind. Has seen how all the mutants die uh, not quite revealing his, uh, his, 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 you know, genetic code, the link that he had to, to, to Scott Summers as his dad, um, his telekinetic, his telekinetic powers held under wraps until I started revealing them with X-Force number one. These are, oh, these are great memories. Well, you know, what's with the, what's with the bionic arm? Is that bionic? Was it attached? Did it grow? Uh, you know, People like Jim Lee call me up and going, you put the scar on the wrong eye. I'm like, no, maybe there's a maybe there's a story behind the uh, glowing eye and a story behind the scar. There there can actually be two stories. Uh, everybody wanted to kind of give me their their take, and I just wasn't having it. I, I I wanted to do my own thing. Bob, let me do my own thing. There was nothing to lose. It was a no lose scenario. Bob told me if things don't work out, they're canceling it. They're gonna cancel the book if things did not work out on new mutants. So you know away I went cable took he was exciting. I think people underestimate how many new characters actually appeared in new mutants 87. off the top of my head there's cable obviously he's the big guy. but then you had all of strife. you had Reaper Wildside tempo uh, forearm one of my one of my favorites um uh, you, you had Thumbelina obviously strife and there's another one besides tempo uh oh man uh she, she melted things but I'm, I'm 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 not remembering her name at this time but we I, I think there's 12 or 13 new characters that i introduced that yes i have contracts on there you know i have character agreements on these characters that go back all that i had to fill out all the forms back then if you filled out a, if you created a character you filled out the form you you filled out you know you're i'm i'm artist, writer, I'm, you know, this is the character's name, here's my rights, this is this you know, what I'm going to get in regards to what Marvel was giving out in, in character, uh, you know, sharing, a character share program. It was instituted by Jim Shooter. I, I, I was aware of its existence. I knew that I would need to create a lot of characters to turn this ship around. Another facet that you need to know, I was in competition with two gentlemen named Todd McFarlane, named Jim Lee, also uh, Eric Larson. There was a bunch of us. We were trying to make a splash. Todd McFarlane referred to us as the L boys: Larson, Lee, Lim, Leifeld. Okay, we all crashed the party at the same time for whatever reason. We all had L, <laughs> L names, and so, so you know, the L boys: Lim, Leifeld, Larson, Lee. And so, so here we go. So we're off to the races. I'm, I'm on New Mutants. I'm able to do all this stuff. Introduce all these characters. Introduce the Mutant Liberation Front. Introduce Strife. Not telling you who Strife is. Not showing you who Strife is behind the helmet. Telling very few people. Keeping that to myself. And, uh, you know, we did like one, we did basically six issues. And then there was a crossover that I was not as enthusiastic about because I was getting my wish. The sales had gone up uh, in such an enormous fashion. And I experienced this you know, put yourself in my shoes. I would do local stores to promote the, the, the comic books in Southern California. There was not a lot of talent, nowhere near the amount of people still in New York. We were called the, the West coast mafia, you know, just kind of like West coast rap, the, 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 because we all were on the West coast, Eric Larson, Jim Lee, myself, Todd McFarlane was in Vancouver. So technically West coast, Mark Silvestri. Um, who kind of bridged the old guard and the new guard? Jim Valentino, we're all West Coast guys. Art Adams was West Coast, so so the West Coast was really rising up with the advent of FedEx and fax machines. We could, uh, you know, we could play, we could play the game, we could we could contribute in the same way that all the guys who had been living in New York. And and just so you know, guys like Frank Miller, Howard Chakin, Neil Adams, Walt Simonson, George Perez, John Byrne, Mike Zeck, Jerry Ordway. I mean, the list goes on and on. These are all guys in new york they're in brooklyn they're in connecticut i, I stayed at some of their houses I, I went to some of their lofts um you th- th- they would walk into marvel comics they'd get assignments they'd drop off work they'd pick up new work they'd 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 roam the, the 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 editorial offices they'd get you know additional short stories covers whatever that's how business had been done up until that point the west coast guys changed it because you know with the advent of technology we could be just as accessible and, 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 and we were we, we could be reached and, and and provide the work in sometimes faster than the guys maybe in New York who, who were slacking off and had been doing it a long time. My generation definitely, I've covered this again, returning to this topic. my generation benefited from the guys that we grew up worshiping had been in their 13th, 15th, 16th year of their career, maybe some longer and and their enthusiasm wasn't wasn't there. and, 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 and our enthusiasm was fresh. And so we attacked, we literally attacked these opportunities. So I'm in competition trying to stand out and doing it with New Mutants, which is a lagging title. It doesn't have the sex appeal of Spider-Man and it doesn't have the sex appeal of X4, X-Men. X-Men and Spider-Man are, are battling for the top two spots. New Mutants is climbing up glass and concrete and, and you know, shards of shrapnel to get to where it needed to be. And the great thing about creating your, your own characters is you don't really have to consult with people. I, 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 when I wanted Wolverine to appear in New Mutants, we had to wait for sign off from uh, Chris Claremont, who kind of had the the writer's dominion over Wolverine and marketing, and there was all these different departments. You just didn't just go. You didn't just go, "Hey, I want Wolverine." And they're like, "Yeah, go." And uh, you know, the, the, the characters uh, Punisher and Ghost Rider were getting a lot of love at that time. They were appearing in each other's books. They were appearing in you know X Men, Hulk. They were just making the rounds. Those were kind of like the hot characters that were that were getting tons of heat and 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 that they were appearing in multiple guest star roles across the Marvel Universe to pump up sales. I was able to really kind of do my own thing on New Mutants, but they're like, it's official. You're going to take over the book with 98. My plans to close up shop on New Mutants and relaunch it as X-Force because I thought New Mutants was a tough roll off the tongue. It didn't sound as good as X-Factor, X-Men. And X-Force had finally, after being turned down twice, been given the green light. So 98, 99, and 100 of New Mutants were setting up the summer relaunch. And so Extinction Agenda was really playing to all of X-Men's strengths. I, I, I think it's fairly ob- obvious when you look at the book, it, it really was a Jim Lee showcase. And I needed to have my own showcase. Everything was kind of, it was never more obvious that the X-Men was the flagship and X-Factor and New Mutants were kind of um, tag-alongs in the story. And and like rather than try and keep up, I, I did layouts for two issues because Bob really wanted me to participate. But most of my time was spent crafting New Mutants 98. Now, because of Cable's success, and trust me, and the MLF and all the new characters and all the new relationships and all the new conflict and my art catching on with fans... Uh, taking what happened at DC with Hawk and Dove and really expanding, I was able to, you know, negotiate, get the leverage of writing the stories. Now, you'll never, ever, in any single issue, see that I co-plotted any stories uh, when I took over the reins. I wasn't getting co-plotting credit on some of the issues that I was actually helping craft stories from issues 86, you know, to 97. But now... I am providing the story. I opted not to do the scripting. I had just done a uh, multi, uh, a three-part Wolverine story that featured Wild, Wild Child, which was a favorite Alpha Flight character of mine. I had written, penciled, and inked a three-parter in Marvel Comics Presents. Now, those came out bi-weekly, so you got all three parts in the span of a month. And uh, I, the, the, the writing part I was slowed me down. It slowed down production. And what really, the concepts and my artwork was what was getting the eyeballs. The, the stuff that I thought and put down and the way that I presented it with my art was my, you know, was my golden bat. That's where I took my swings with. And, and that's where I was hitting all the home runs. It was, it was a good system. I felt that given that there was a system that had been established uh, really more noticeably to me as a fan than anything else, right when I was breaking in. Uh, Keith Giffen, who was a creative powerhouse, uh, Lobo, the Legion, the Omega Men, Ambush Bug, he had really been a powerhouse creative mind over at DC Comics. He had been part of the brain trust that came up with a new launch of Justice League that really left Superman and Batman out and Wonder Woman, who would eventually kind of become known as the Justice League International franchise. But when it was launched, it was Justice League, and it had Guy Gardner and Captain Marvel and Black Canary, and uh, Martian Manhunter, and, and, and Fire and Ice, and it was uh, a really different take with a really exceptional talent like Kevin McGuire, who could pull off all these amazing facial expressions like nobody before or since in the comic business, and uh, Kevin and and worked off Keith Giffen's layouts because he was doing the plot, and he was dictating the pace, the consequences, the conflicts, the characterization, all through his plotting the story. Then a uh, great writer who had done a bunch of great stuff on his own, J.M.D. Matisse, who had, I had read his Defenders and I had read his uh, his Doctor Strange. He was scripting on Justice League over Keith Giffen's plot and his layouts, which Kevin would tighten up and make full pencils and finish the book. So this method was becoming more and more employed. And I decided that I would uh, opt for a scripter. And trust me, uh, guys like Scott Labdell Uh, Howard Mackey, uh, all sorts of um, different names were tossed into the mix uh, in regards to who was going to uh, do the scripting with me. And, and, and Scott Lobdell really championed his, his, uh, his cause more than anybody. Called me a lot, um, was really trying to uh, nail down the gig. I know he he was also calling Jim and uh, wanting to do the same and work in the same capacity with Jim Lee because Jim would also use the plot script method where we told the stories and then indicated uh, the scripting again today this morning as I'm giving this to you I have uh, gone over the script over the last Snake Eyes issue and I wrote the story of Snake Eyes Drew all the pages, and then when I sent it to Chad Bowers to script, I dictated to him everything. I said, "Here's what. Here's the motivation that Snake Eyes is doing here. Here's how he's tracking this character. Here are these new characters that are opposing him. Here is this apparition that appears. Here's why. Here's what I need to be. Here's what I need communicated. You 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 communicate your story that you've already drawn. You give the motivation. You you type it out. You share it either in a phone call and or email." Or just phone call, or just email, or or some combination. So there's three different methods with which to 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 pass that along. Sometimes it's handwritten notes. Sometimes back in the day it was fax machines. Regardless, um, I was not going to put the word balloons and the dialogue. I felt like there were better uh, people qualified to do it and relieve me in regards to the, um, the, the 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 scripting chore because it is a job. It has a separate price placed upon it but it also takes even if it took me 72 hours that's 72 hours I did not have I knew I did not have it so kudos to Frank Miller and to Walt Simonson and to even my buddy Todd McFarlane who were able to script their own work given that opportunity having just done it on Marvel Comics Presents wearing all three hats I said no I'm 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 gonna actually ask for script assistance just like the Justice League so that there's you know, what we call snappy patter, but I am not alone in calling the snappy patter as you're going to see. because we're going to, again, we're getting into the weeds here. We are getting deep, deep, deep into the weeds and into the process. But with New Mutants 98, I knew my follow-up. Now that I could craft the story, I could take tight reins over the soap opera elements of the book, the introduction of characters, the motivation of characters, the relationship of characters. And here's a big deal. This is maybe some, you guys are going to hear this for the first time, but page turns. Page turns are everything. And when you are raised on the best page turns in comics, like I was with John Byrne and Walt Simonson and Frank Miller and George Perez and Jim Starlin and so many greats, Howard Chaikin, the list could go on and on and on. I understood the power of the cliffhanger, the power of the page turn. If you set something up on the right page and you turn it and it appears on the left, that is the power of the page turn, okay? You really want to Sometimes you would do the best page turns and then the ad count in the book, which you don't control, which they did in the offices of Marvel. And you know, cause whatever brand of sneaker wanted page 17 and, and, and wanted that double page insert earlier in the decade in the last, I think in, in 2010, 20, no, about 2013, I think there was a Batman issue and there was an like a, 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 four page ad in the middle of all the DC comics. And it wasn't just the Batman issue, but people were like, this is wrecking the flow of the story. And they have a point. It is really disruptive when your page flows don't go as you, um, determine. I mean, on Snake Eyes, number one, when I, when I laid out the, the, the pages, I thought, oh man, I'm going to have to Put a ad right here to make this page turn work, and then IDW said, "No, you can just draw another page, and and so that we don't need ads." And and that's what I did. So I added a page, and all the page turns in Snake Eyes, one, two, three, four, are exactly as intended. They don't run with ads, and page turns again. Whether it's Jim Shooter, Stan Lee, Jeff Loeb, Robert Kirkman, guys, we you we can tell you about the power of the page turn. So in New Mutants, I've I've got this completely at my fingertips and again I am not the the co-plotter. There is no co-plot. There's only story or plot. And plot is a big deal. When you got your plot handed in, that is your story. What is plot and story? I'm going to go over this with you again. It speaks to characters, relationships, conflicts, and page flow and action, all of it. The story is everything. The story dictates what's going to be said and expressed. So having been given that opportunity, I was not going to squander it. But I also kind of felt like I got big shoes to fill. Ah, Cable was so successful and put the X-Men universe on its ear. And here's a se- here's, here's a segue. The, you know Cable was important in moving the needle when he was featured heavily. Only six, seven months into his appearance in that summer's annual event where New Mutants X-Factor, um, X-Men, and one more. There was, there was four of them. Maybe it was Fantastic Four because it had some Fantastic Four characters in it. They all teamed up to make like a 200-page story. Um, Art Adams did like the final chapter. And Cable is heavily featured in all of the issues. And that's when I was like, wow, they're, they're putting Cable to use. They know that Cable is getting eyeballs. Immediately acting on the positive sales that Cable produced for New Mutants that gave me my position to, to leverage, finally, the, the, the role as full-time story writer, Uh, they leverage that. They put that out there. They put cable in multiple books to draw eyeballs, to sell comics because you guys, these are publishing companies. They want to move as many units as possible. Why would you blame them? People who put on shows want to be seen by as many eyeballs as possible. When we publish comics, we want to be picked up by many people as possible. Over the holidays, I promoted not only this podcast while I wasn't doing original episodes, I also um, promoted my work that is available in comic stores, and on digital with Comixology, and recent issues of Snake Snake Eyes that have come out so that people will go and hunt them down. And it works. And people are like, I didn't know this was out there. Not all marketing is going to reach everybody at the same time, if ever, at all. So you're always selling. As artists, we're always closing. Okay, always be closing, ABC. And, and I am always closing, trying to promote to get more people to check out the work. And so uh, when Cable was being used and 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 featured in these other books and entire storylines were being built around him, I was like, "Hey, you know, I gotta now. I know what Claremont feels like with Wolverine. You know, you you, you want a sense of authorship and a sense of ownership." So I knew that with New Mutants ninety eight, I wanted to stack the deck, and no less than three new characters were going to be introduced: Deadpool, Domino, and Gideon. Gideon was the long game, the long heavy. He was going to affect Roberto's life, Sunspot's life as we kind of twist him and turn him, uh, tempt him with the dark side, and Gideon was the uh, means to do that, kind of the big heavy looming in the backwards who would later strike. He would also uh, be part of a hidden, kind of immortal, next-level generation of mutant. Later on, Grant Morrison would play with this. Uh, Secondary mutations is the term that he came up with them. The, The High Lords, the externals, which Gideon was a part of, were these secondary mutation, the original secondary mutation mutants in that they had another aspect to their mutant evolution in that they were immortal and that was tied to their mutant genes. So that was the long game that was going to come maybe 20 issues from now, 15 issues from two years because there was that gap between New Mutants 100 and X-Force number one. But so, so Gideon was the long game. The immediate pop was Deadpool and he was also... Not just used to introduce himself, but introduced, uh, used to introduce Domino, insert her into the team. One uh, welcome, one one introduction begat the second introduction. That's exactly how it played out in the book. And again, page turns, reveals. Uh, Speaking to Deadpool. So how does the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito movie, Twins, play into the origin of Deadpool? If you've, again, seen me at a convention, seen me talk, seen me, Um, share all this. You know, I I talked about how much I love documentaries. I I would be remiss if I did not mention that for the last five, six, seven years, uh, the most common question I get all the time, and and it's mostly by young kids who want to know what was the inspiration for Deadpool. I know that that answer is so long. I tell them, come to the the show. I can tell you there because at the table, I can't take the time to tell that story 20, 40 times. Okay. So doing it here on the podcast, is is now it will it will always be something that I can reference, but uh, Deadpool uh, is really born from the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito movie Twins, and I'll tell you how because as I've covered many times, Wolverine is remains always will be my favorite character in comics. He just he just did something to me. It, 1975 picked him up in the Hulk and Giant Size X Men. Thought he was a great looking visual. Uh, liked his claws coming out. Um, was always just. Any droplet of character they gave, I would eat up. And in the Dave Cockrum early days on the X Men, he was more interested in Nightcrawler. By his own admission, in every interview Dave ever gave, and in Chris Claremont will continue to tell you, Dave did not have a lot of use for Wolverine, who was part of the international flavor that they were establishing with the character by representing Canada. You know, Colossus had Russia, Sunfire was Japan, Aurora was Africa, Nightcrawler was Germany. You know, you had you had this international flavor. So so dead Wolverine was showing up to represent Canada, but. Dave Cockrum didn't really have a whole lot of love for him it wasn't until John Byrne a Canadian came on the book that he ramped up interest uh the the representation the appeal of Wolverine and then over the years all the different droplets of who is he uh does that healing power mask aging is he much older than he appears uh all of the different you know aspects of his origin the Wolverine miniseries with Frank Miller taking him into Japan we've covered that the the shogun uh, uh uh influence from that great best-selling novel and miniseries. and then you know rounding using using the eastern culture uh, the, ya- the 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 threat of the yakuza the 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 idea that he is a a gaijin the way of the ronin all this stuff now impl- implementing and, and and influencing Wolverine I was into all of it all of it I ate it up I knew that with Cable uh and 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 I was trying to again as I've referenced here already Take that playbook, and make a man a mystery. A man with every little breadcrumb counted, everything counted, every everything played towards the bigger picture that we were gonna unveil over time, because that's how the 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 longevity and and the admiration and the relationship and the bottom of the character will be created. Well, with Deadpool, um, I I had the name because I had seen the Dirty Harry movie Deadpool, and I wrote that down on my way home. A lot of times I would go to movies and I would or or you guys, I had a character. In, in Youngblood, a, a, a book that I launched at, at, at Image Comics, there's a character called Cougar, okay? Cougar, we drove as a family a Ford Cougar, and and that was our family car in the in the late 70s, early 80s, mid-80s, a Cougar. We had a Ford Cougar, and I thought, that's cool, and I didn't know anybody who had the name Cougar, so I wrote it down in my book of names. Uh, in Youngblood, there was also an alien race called the Catellans. Uh, my office was on Catella, okay? K-A-T-E-L-L-A. There was a character in Youngblood called Brahma. My best friend played football for Diamond Bear, uh, Diamond Bar High School. And uh, they were a badass wrecking crew of a football team the years that he played. And they won CIF. And they were the Diamond Bear Brahmas. And a Brahma is a formidable bull. And so I was trying to get names that hadn't been used. Cougar, Brahma, okay? With, with, when I would see or hear a name on a car, you know... Uh, I couldn't do Jaguar. There was already an Archie Comics character named Jaguar, okay? That's where well, Cougar hasn't been taken, okay? So this is how I would cultivate names. So I had Deadpool the name waiting in the wings. But when I saw Twins, which again, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the biggest star in Hollywood at this time. He is the biggest action star. He is the biggest marquee. Um, everything that he does is is hugely, hugely successful. It is It is always making the studios money. Twins was his first foray into comedy. This is when he was going to lean completely into a comedy, not just do smart comedic lines in action films. And he was paired with Danny DeVito, who was a wonderful comic book legend from Taxi and Throw Mom from the Train. I mean, but the entire marketing—they're wearing the same clothes, they're hugging, they're wearing the same aqua, you know, shirt with like burgundy stripes and tan slacks and sunglasses, and it's twins. And the reason to go see the movie is to find out. How could these two guys be twins? Well, it turns out, sorry, the movie has been out for, you know, 35 plus years, so I, I don't feel bad spoiling this, but at the end of the movie, you realize that Arnold Schwarzenegger has been genetically created in a lab and has been manipulated, and that is why he is so physically superior in every way, and and, and yet how does he genetically match up with Danny DeVito and the, the guy in the lab, the scientist, the professor, uh, very uh Openly says that Arnold was all the good stuff, and and then Danny DeVito goes, but what about me? What am I? And the doctor, I think he had a German accent. He goes, you know, you are, you are the crap. You are the crap of the program, and and Danny DeVito goes, I'm the crap. I'm the crap. And Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, you're the crap. You're the crap. And 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 it's a great comedic moment. It's warm. It's funny. And of course. Now you understand why these guys have this bond that they do. But in my head, I'm sitting there with my comic book brain going, This is Weapon X. This is Weapon X. Wolverine is the good stuff. It's when they refined Weapon X. And they had called him Weapon X a number of times now. And so I, on Monday, after going to the Friday man, that twins saw it at the Brea marketplace. Okay. And uh near the Brea Mall. It's no longer there, but that that it's now a you know a gym. But but saw it with my friends opening night packed theater long line to get in people roaring with laughter and and I said this is interesting so on Monday morning I called up Bob Harris I said Bob I need you to tell me something did I miss something has there been something that I missed in some book somewhere where I know that weapon x is roman numeral so he's weapon 10 have we introduced 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 and he says no we have not I go perfect I go Deadpool is 9 for all intents and purposes Deadpool is weapon 9 and as weapon 9 He's like, before they perfected it. So he came out scarred, hideous, compromised, deranged. And, and that is, can I tie Deadpool into this program and establish that he has connections to Wolverine, the same program that, pr- you know, produced Wolverine? And Bob said, yeah, go with the man. I'm good. And I got to tell you guys, that's how it always went. From from the outset of cable and, and outlining what I wanted to do I was never, ever, ever met with resistance from the externals to Domino to Deadpool to Cable to Strife, Strife's big reveal, all of it, all of it. They just, I I was able to push every single idea I had through. I never, um, was, was, uh, rebuffed. And also there was no one ever consulted. These are my stories alone. Again, there is no co on my stories. I am the story guy. I am the plot guy. The, this, is where all these ideas are being generated. I'm very hyperactive and I see that it's working. I see the crowds glowing, growing. Um, I'm doing these comic store appearances, as I mentioned, and, and each one is getting more and more and more crowds and they're excited and they're buying multiple copies because they're just excited, not because they're worth more. It's just the lines were getting longer. The signings went for hours upon end and I could tell like people were showing up for me and look, here's the deal. They were showing up for my visuals, my art, I am not here in this position in comic books doing anything um, of any level of success without my art. My art brought me to the dance Uh, and and I'm very thankful that so many people responded and my art was a reflection of all the guys that I'd ever liked and I have, you know, I guess some bizarre commercial taste, but they're my commercial taste and the way I mixed them up in a pot and spit them out on a page um, was pleasing to fans to the point where sales and nowadays they'd say the needle moved. The needle was moving and it was moving righteously in the right direction. So Deadpool is coming in and here's where we get to my hardcore Star Wars love. So I've got my backstory for Deadpool, but what the the heck does he have to do with the new mutants? You know, Wolverine's not in the book. How am I getting into the book? So Deadpool is a mercenary. He ran from the Weapon X program, compromised, altered, powered, Um, after going there to seek his treatment for cancer, because again, if I haven't covered it here, my dad got the shit kicked out of him for 22 years with cancer, eight different surgeries, tumors galore. It eventually took his life. Um, it was a very traumatic time for me. His first surgery, he was in a coma for nine months. There was a blood clot. He did not wake up. They continually told my mom to pull the plug to end his life. He will never wake up. It is a testament to everyone who's ever waited for someone, um, Especially with seventies technology, man, it was different. It wasn't anywhere near by the time my dad had his second surgery in nineteen eighty-four, the technology had already advanced. It, it felt like over a decade in, in five, you know, in five years' time. It was just crazy. And uh and and, and so I I that that affected my family. Cancer sucks. It sucks for everybody. I, I feel for anybody whose life it's touched, who's suffering with it. Uh and 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 so Deadpool was kind of a conduit for my father in that way. Going to seek the the healing, and Weapon X kind of used him and abused him and used, turned him into one of their super experiments. Now, and, and, and clearly, <laughs> uh, an aborted version of this appears in Wolverine Origins, where they sew Wade's mouth shut, which is just super bizarre, right? Super bizarre and weird, and it was weird to watch. And I, I had absolutely um, asked them to to not, you know, <clears throat> not. Do that. I wrote a letter to the studio. I went, you know, to the studio into the executive's office. I asked him to not go that way. We we know that that's not how it turned out. Ryan, thankfully, kind of course corrected that in the after credits of X of uh, of <laughs> of of Deadpool two. Um, but the way that Deadpool would get in to New Mutants, he would be acting as a mercenary. He put his abilities for hire for sale. And so, being a kid of nineteen seventy seven Star Wars. And watching all the developments afterwards. Because if you were a, a child who watched Star Wars and came out of the theater, if you were 9 or 10 or 11, 12, you saw it at its base. You saw how it grew. You saw Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the first, you know, spinoff novel uh, released. You saw all the Marvel comics begin the the the, the day one, ground zero, um, you know, uh, you know, growth of, of of the franchise ideas and and different ships and new characters and marvel those first three years of comics they, they they had a tough uh really a tough challenge in front of them I and mean, they, they, they couldn't conflict with anything that lucas was doing in the sequel so they had definite parameters like luke and vader couldn't really ever fight during that time they would fight in dreams and and hallucinations but you know because they didn't want to uh they didn't want to take away from what was going to happen in the inevitable sequel so, so this this is all part of the excitement, and that, that, that comes when, when when you're watching something grow, um, you know, from the ground up, and and uh, with with uh, what was going on with with New Mutants and Deadpool and Twins, and the Weapon X growth is you know we are going to uh, implement some of my influences that I picked up from my obsession with Star Wars, which saw Boba Fett come into being, you know, well before Empire Strikes Back was released. He was on the Christmas special. He was a toy. I bought those toys. I cut those proof of purchases out, mowed lots of lawns, mailed them in, waited months, eventually, every day, actually, for for, for literally six weeks, two months, waited for my Boba Fett figure to arrive in the mailbox. When it came, it was in a very uh, nondescript white. Everybody who got it knows this very nondescript white elongated little, it looked like toothpaste, but, but the box, the white had no covering. It had no Kenner banner on it. It had no star Wars. It was just a nondescript. Like it looked like you were going to open up and get a tube of toothpaste. Boba Fett was wrapped in plastic. I got my Boba Fett. I didn't know anything about Boba Fett other than what I had seen that he was a mercenary in the Christmas special. And that he was semi-treacherous. That he turned on them and tried to take down Han. And that he had a great name and he had a great visual. And Star Wars is a testament to great names and great visuals. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewbacca. Come on. R2-D2, Darth Vader. I mean, it continued. Darth Maul. I mean, General Grievous. Names, visuals matter. They get us excited. They're the first thing. They get us excited. There's a reason, you know, they put so much into those trailers. They want to razzle-dazzle you with the imagery. Then at the end of the day, I guess, you know, we come out and we like stuff based on how it moved us, but so much, we do not give visuals enough due. It's weird. I, I've, I constantly wonder why that is. I, I wonder why we don't give the visuals more due. But the reason is, uh, I, I I feel like it, it, it somehow diminishes art and artists, but we are so ridiculously important to the end product. And, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm telling you that, uh, that it is, it is paramount, you know, that, that, the that the visuals get the, uh, the, the do that they deserve, because that is what excites people. I'm in a comic store. It's about 10 years ago. Uh, guy owned a chain of stores here in Orange County. I just, you know, started getting to know him. His name was Jason, really friendly guy. I'm, 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 up at the, I'm, I'm up at the counter and a kid is buying a Deadpool figure. And Jason says, you know, you should get that signed. This guy created Deadpool. You should get it signed by him. I'm happy to sign it. Really happy to make, you know, meet the kid, meet his mom. And Jason tells me, he goes, man, you know, Deadpool's just a, a badass visual, man. I just, I just loved him from the moment he, moment he showed up. Just had that kind of Snake Eyes vibe, kind of that ninja thing. Is that what you intended? I said, okay, of course, absolutely. Snake Eyes was a huge influence given that he was the first guy that had guns and swords, in my knowledge. There were guys who had guns, there were guys who had swords. Snake Eyes had guns and and swords. And so, you know, visuals matter. To, To Jason, his love of Deadpool was from the visual representation alone. When I see these cosplayers, and they're rocking the costume, and they're rocking it in the manner that they are rocking it, that visual is powerful on the floor, watching a group of Deadpools all with that red and black leather is powerful it is a great looking visual and again the power of visuals i speak for all my visual artists who are doing visuals for movies for star wars for lord of the rings for you know all of the various um uh uh you know franchises that we adore all the marvel guys andy park who came up through extreme studios who went to develop this amazing illustrative style and 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 who now 100% uh you know, it, it, it is is so integral to the success that Marvel is having with the way he does all of the pre vis and, and and the 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 illustrations in preparation for what we're gonna see on film. Visuals matter. so you know obviously I am way way into uh you know, the visual representation of all these characters and uh Deadpool works as a visual um first foremost, Black, Red, the design is 100% now pivoting to Spider-Man, okay? If you think those big eyes are not completely influenced by Spider-Man and you think that red and the black is not, you know, somehow uh, uh, influenced by Spider-Man, then you completely missed the boat. Todd McFarlane, probably one of the most important parts of this story, the taunting, you're drawing a team book, you're drawing six kids, you're drawing, um, you know, all the different faces you're, you're drawing hairstyles. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's just incredible. You know, the amount that goes into a team book and guys that I really had admired, like George Perez, John I've said those names a million times, but they did so many team books. And now here I am doing a team book. I'm drawing Cable. I'm drawing Sam. I'm drawing Tabitha. I'm drawing Richter. I'm drawing Roberto. Uh, I- I'm drawing Rain. I'm drawing all the different, you know, assorted, uh, Moria McTaggart's in a bunch of stories. I'm drawing all of the MLF, Strife, Wildside, uh, Tempo, you know, Reaper, Forearm, all of them, Thumbelina, sometimes, sometimes on the same page. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's the main reason I could not script. Maybe if I was doing Spider-Man, maybe Daredevil, a single character, I would totally sign off. I would totally go all in. Couldn't do it. Just could not do the, add the scripting to my chore of writing, penciling, and inking the book. So, uh, Spider-Man, when, when Todd would, would taunt me and say, but I'm just drawing Spider-Man. I am literally just drawing Spider-Man and, 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 you know, sometimes just big oval after big oval after big oval, big giant black eyes. Just, um, he would, he would constantly go, you're drawing the hair, the nose, the nostril, the lips. The It's just, um, it was just so funny that he would just he got a lot um, of mileage, a lot of mileage out of taunting me about the advances that he was able to make by doing three to four panels that just had Spider-Man's face, okay? And the big eyes and then the webs. And and so I said, okay, all right, man, all right. You know, F you, man, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get one of those. I need one of those. I'm drawing, you know, sometimes 10 faces on a page. I need a guy with a, with a mask like Spider-Man. Voila. Hello, Deadpool. And the black and the red was born. The big... I said, I what he's doing with white, I can do it with black. I'll make the pupils small. Where he has the big, giant white area, I'll make that black instead. And I'm telling you, on first pass, I did some sketches. I sent him in marble. I wrote all the different notes. The Weapon X stuff, the Wade Wilson, the... the, the, the just all of the absolute different um, applications that I was trying to do. Red was the only... Um, Red was the um, was the only option. Okay, red was the only option in regards to. Uh, he, come on, he's he's this. He is. Uh, you know, Deadpool is one hundred percent Spider Man uh, driven, but the red and the black. You can't make a character called Deadpool. Who's gonna have a lot of blood spilled? Who says it's dead? Death is in his name, dead blood. Okay, they they go hand in hand. It's 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 peas and carrots. So Deadpool and his red and black was 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 absolutely one hundred percent generated from. He's an assassin. He kills people. In the movie, when they said that he made his costume red so that you wouldn't see him bleed, to my knowledge, that is Rhett, Paul, and Ryan. That is brilliant. That is the ultimate expression, the ultimate, uh, it's just genius. And I give my knot and tip of the hat to them. That's when you get really brilliant minds looking at tons of material, giving a different take and adding to it. And they added to it in such a great way. That's so brilliant. For me, I'm just like, of course he's red and black. His name is Death. He has dead in his name. And uh, But Deadpool was on assignment in New Mutants 98 to obtain... Tolliver on, on Tolliver's request to obtain the services of Cable so what I just said is Tolliver Deadpool Cable let me let me let me adjust those of the Hutt Boba Fett Han Solo that's exactly what 98 is all about he is there they have a relationship they know each other He is there to bring in Cable to Tolliver who is the big bad guy who is my Jabba the who is my 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 big heavy mobster gang lord uh crime boss Cable has a debt Cable has has um, crossed him in the past. This is this is past catching up with him. Deadpool's there to deliver him. He's there to take him down. The kids are in his way. One of the great things when you can introduce a character is have your character take everybody else that you've invested in down. So when Deadpool enters the picture, he takes Cable down. He takes Cannonball down. He takes Tabitha down. He takes Sunspot down. He takes he takes everybody down. And immediately in your head you go, Oh my gosh. I love this character. Nothing is better than when a character enters, good or bad, and takes down everybody in one false swoop. It really enhances a villain or an anti-hero. And in this case, that is exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened with Deadpool. That was intentional. I'm going to have him walk in and capably take everybody down. But who drops him is Domino. And she's the wrinkle in the entire story, in the entire saga. But Deadpool is my Boba Fett. He's got the contract on my Han Solo, who is Cable, and he's working for Tolliver, who, as we know, is going to be exposed as a a crime lord who has way more going on than you are led to believe in New Mutants 98. Hence, the beginning of all the different soap opera uh, elements that I am going to be kind of throwing at you in this series. But Deadpool is a striking visual. From the minute he appears and he is standing in a three-quarter half-splash, towering over Marvel's new fan favorite Cable having felled Cable then goes on to take Cable and all his team down and what has Cable been doing for the last year honing their skills making them a better fighting force and with his uh with his uh let's call it web line because he shoots a line at Cable and uh, Cannonball and wraps him up and drops him and, and 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 snares him in a net he's got all he's got all these different gimmicks his knife his gun his line and so, again, he's coming in and he's dropping the team. And 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 then Domino throws a knife in his back, drops him long enough for them to secure Deadpool, and then they're going to mail him back to Tolliver with a message. Don't mess with us. Okay? That is a quick summation of how Deadpool walked into New Mutants 98, a book that was on the rise. Again, when I took over New Mutants, it was selling 110,000 copies. A few issues in, we were already at 250, cruising towards 300. 750,000 New Mutants 98 were ordered when the news broke that I was doing the writing and the art. And I felt the pressure and I needed to deliver. And and this was a time you can't shrink. You got to stand up. And so Gideon, Deadpool, Domino, I, you know, gilded the lily purposely. I, I stacked the deck. I wanted absolutely for everyone to know that uh, that this this was going to be a new direction for this team. New excitement. And it worked. It worked beyond my wildest dreams. The black and red costume, the visual of Deadpool, the name of Deadpool, the character of Deadpool, the relationship of Deadpool to everyone else, the mystery of Deadpool clearly sparked. A few weeks in, as I am working on New Mutants 100, because by the time New Mutants 98 comes out, New Mutants 98, 99 is, you know, finished and done. Bob Harris calls me. Rob, how you doing? I go, I'm good. He's like, no... Bob called me every other day, three times a week. One to check them, check in on how story and art were going. Just want to check in on the story and art, see how it's going. Give me an update. Am I getting any pages today via fax, via FedEx? Always charting my progress. There was an uh, 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 assistant that he had named Suzanne Gaffney. She was wonderful. We all kind of worked in tandem, and I would lay out an issue in advance so he would know what was coming. I did these tight little breakdowns, and then I would begin. Penciling and then finally doing the actual finishes and at the end, throw my notes and, and give it over so that the script process could be discussed and applied. And I would always be part of that conversation. And uh, sometimes late night phone calls, sometimes notes, sometimes both, as I've as I've you know shared. But I am wrapping up a double sized New Mutants 100, which is going to set up X Force, and I have just started to do some press for X Force. Because you know it's 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 they're getting out in front of it. The promotions are coming, and they do an interview with me that appears in Marvel Age, and in the Marvel Age issue where I am discussing the future of the New Mutants, I very specifically tell you what's 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 to come. This this speaks to, um, and is sourced, and nothing is better than when it's sourced. How you guys blew up Deadpool. This speaks to how you guys blew him up. In that interview, I say that and and in the, in the the, the interviewer already knows like, and and a character that has already sparked interest with the fans is returning in page in X-Force 6 and I said yeah Deadpool will swing back into their lives in the 6th issue so there it is, it's in print, it's in a Marvel comic that was my outline for X-Force all that changed with that call from Bob as I'm finishing up New Mutants 100 he says Rob uh, I, I, look l- let me tell you something I mean, you're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, we're getting all the mail. We've never gotten this amount of mail on a new character, ever, and this is the most mail New Mutants has ever, ever received. He goes, dude, Deadpool, just just connected with fans. They love him. They can't get enough of him. You should read these letters. He, he said, I'm going to send them to you. I'm going to send them to you so you can see them. And often Marvel would, would forward me the fan mail. Well, uh, a week later, there was a delivery at my doorstep of my office. I'm going to get into all the particulars of my office, my loft, uh, what the space that I shared, the assistance I had, because uh, there, there's there's people again, there's people to source everything that I'm telling you. In addition to all the stuff that's in the magazines, so <laughs> the uh, the 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 box was delivered. I love telling the story. It was so big I thought it was uh, a, a, a a machine, uh, a washing machine or a drying machine. I thought I'm getting an appliance. I like like how movie studios got Tom Cruise a new car when his. Movie open number one. I'm like, wow, this is so great. Our sales, we've had this great year. They're they're getting me an appliance. It, it may have even been a like a box like that, like that, that was just retaped up to get me to think like that on my on my stoop of my office. And we bring it in, and it's all the letters. It is. It is I mean, I could crawl in the off in the box and close the box, and you could ship me to New York. It, it was a giant box. Uh, again, washing machine dryer would fit comfortably in there. All letters. All you know, dear. Rob Liefeld, Dear Marvel Comics from Rob Liefeld, I love Deadpool. When can we see more? I love Deadpool. I'm obsessed with Deadpool. When is more Deadpool? I love Deadpool. I bought New Mutants 98 because of this character named Deadpool. So Bob says, Hey man, can you put him in New Mutants 100? (laughs) I said, Bob, I have no room. Every little panel is taken. Everything's spoken for. I cannot possibly give you more room in New Mutants. You know, it's, 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 I just can't do it. He goes, ah all right, we're going to have to work him in into the storyline faster. What about X-Force number one? And I said, Bob, I'll see what I can do. But uh, X-Force one is already really tightly plotted. You know, I I know I'm getting double page. You know, the thing about New Mutants 100 and X-Force, remember, I I left the stage with a double page, a double sized issue, 48 pages, and I came back with a 48 page issue. Well, the compromise was that Deadpool, would get a trading card, one of the five trading cards that was part of the X-Force number one campaign as well as a fact file that would tell you everything you need to know, uh, given, you know, that we don't want to pull the curtain all the way back. But I committed that I would move Deadpool up into issue two. So the X-Force number one, which sold 5 million characters on the back of all those characters, Shatterstar, Feral, Cable, is now being used to showcase for the first 10 pages. Deadpool. Deadpool is the focus of X-Force number two. Not X-Force 6 as was planned, and that is because of you guys. Marvel wanted more Deadpool. They wanted more Deadpool fast. They saw the appeal. They saw that people were literally queued up immediately for more Deadpool in the biggest possible way, and uh, it was great. It was great that they were um, on board and supportive, and so that's why X-Force 2 is 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 what it is instead of X-Force uh. X Force Six. It's funny that Cable and everybody don't come in till like in the middle of the book in a, in a book that was just sold on the basis of their popularity. But we had to service again. Getting back to fan service, fan servicing is good. Give give fans what they want, and and, and you will reap the benefits because um, everybody wants to get the attention of the fan base and and curry favor and 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 get their excitement. And and here it is. Deadpool is generating all this excitement and has brought in Domino and these other characters, and so here we are. Here we are, and and now Deadpool is being... So, so, so 98, then X-Force number one, training card, fact file, X-Force number two, and then, you know, as you guys know, he would go on to appear in X-Force uh, four, five, uh, and then and then sporadically all, all through where he reappears in a big way to reveal the big domino mystery, which is the last thing I do before I am gone and at Image Comics full-time. But... That trajectory also includes that um, while X-Force number one is being assembled and ready to go and make a June launch, I get the phone call that the toy company, Toy Biz, has been to the Marvel offices and they want to make action figures of X-Force. Here is why this is so resonant. X-Men had never been a toy line. They had a couple characters in the Secret Wars toy line in 84, but they had not had their own dedicated toy line. They just literally launched an X-Men toy line with all of the characters that you would expect would be in an X-Men toy line. Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm—you know the 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 essentials, the X Men essentials. You would think a second wave would give you you know Sauron, Beast—you know more of the expanded Havoc, Polaris, the, the characters that I loved. I certainly wasn't prepared to hear that they were going to make Cable, Deadpool, Shatterstar, uh, action figures before X Force number one was even shipping. Because again, as we've covered in the action figures, you got to get a nine-month jump on that. You got to. Design the character. You've got to sculpt the character. You've got to tool the character. Get the joints. What's going to move? Create the tooling. Um, You got to manufacture it. You got to package it. You got to ship it on boxes overseas that get to the docks. Make it to the ports of call, and then distribute it to your stores. It is a long appearance, It is a long process to create an action figure. So being told on the phone that I am going to be uh, the father of a line of action figures, all of which are characters that I have created, cable. Uh, Shatterstar, Deadpool, Domino Bridge, Strife. This is, this is insane. Now, part of Deadpool's story is also being laid out in two because I have introduced Garrison Kane. Garrison Kane is weapon 11 in my pitch. I revisit Bob. Can I go now beyond Wolverine? Have we shown the next level? Because I want I want the next guy to be even more advanced. His arms are going to shoot off. He's going to have hands that can fire at you like missiles, like all my favorite toys. And Bob said, Yeah, that's fine. So Garrison Kane has beef with Deadpool. They know each other from the program. So in utilizing Deadpool for the opening of X-Force 2, we get to Garrison Kane, who is one of my favorites. And the two of them obviously share the primary cover spotlight in the, you know, in in, in X-Force number two, which by the way sold uh, 1.5 million copies. So X-Force, 5 million, plus plus some, but we're just gonna call it five. Because it, it actually they went back to press on a $5 million, a $5 million unit selling book. There's a, there's a gold version of that for a reason, because there was demand beyond the initial orders. So, 780, 1.5 on 2, 5. I mean, I always tell people, Deadpool appeared, his first three appearances are in like 8 million copies across the board. Uh, at When I tell people is X-Force, spider-man these books were launched at the peak of the comics industry when the most eyeballs were on the comics industry was when these comic books were launched and shared with you guys and deadpool and cable are at the um apex of that they are they are exposed at the highest possible level they are being shared with millions of eyeballs this idea that there is a bunch of them in, in in storage units is is poppycock i've been All around the world, I've been signing these comics. I signed copious amounts. I have literally signed millions of these first three appearances. There are so many of them uh, that that cross my table. And uh, Deadpool's exposure um, was in 8 million copies out the gate in his first six months of existence. He then becomes a toy. That Deadpool toy is not sold first and foremost in in comic book stores. That cable toy, those X-Force toys... They are mass market toys, Toys R Us and Toy City and Walmart and Target and department stores and KB Toys. They are the ones who are putting these Marvel Toy Biz toys out front and center. The cartoon is not out yet. These are just toys, you know, and, and, and they were on end caps and they were mass market at Walmart where little Billy and Johnny could reach them alongside G.I. Joe and Star Wars. That is the success of the Toy Biz X, X-Men line. And X-Force got multiple waves. The first wave was a giant mega sellout. Cable, Deadpool, Kane, Bridge. like I said, all the characters. The second wave, more Deadpool, more Kane, more Shatterstar, more Cable. So so this is part of the launch. You, you can't escape one without the other, which is why I always laugh. I always laugh when people go, well, you know, You know, he wasn't popular until, and I'm like, when you can show me where he has outsold his initial 8 million copies, whether it was the 700,000, whether it was the 5 million X-Force, whether it was the 1.5 million X-Force 2, I'm here. Please lay those on me. Lay lay those on me. It's not going to happen. We're going to get into the evolution of Deadpool, how his first miniseries is just a complete life-old palooza. It's got Kane. You know, it's got zero. It's got it's Deadpool. It's it's a complete. It's got Vanessa, you know, uh, all these characters. It's a Life Palooza. It is a complete Life Tribute comic. I love it. it. It's 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 one of my favorites for that reason and that reason alone, um, and the fact that Joe Mad drew the hell out of it. But a couple of things. Um, we're gonna close today's episode because we've carried our our way up into the launch and and the visuals and the response. And again, I maintain. Whether it's Boba Fett Mandalorian, whether it's Luke Skywalker all draped in black with his green saber whether it's, um, you know, Batman Beyond, a a really cool twist on Batman. Venom, these characters, visuals, grab us. And then it's up to us to craft the stories that keep you along for the ride. But in terms of uh, creation, creative credits, I did a lot of research. I went through a lot of old magazines. So I want to read to you some, again, sourcing that is is fantastic, that can be found. We're going to start in wizard... Number four, now, I have been open in, 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 in the idea that I'm not a big fan of what Wizard eventually became, which was incredibly abusive. They were drunk on their own influence, and they loved to um, get media uh, to, to rise and fall. They loved to get comic book figures to rise and fall, they, to actual comic books to rise and fall. They were really um, completely and totally drunk on their own power. that they, they soured. They, they pissed in their own milk. They soured a, a really good thing and it was unfortunate because in the early days they were pure fan driven they lo- they just they just shared the stuff that they loved um but in the early interviews were done by more of the journalists that had been on the scene for years not these kids who had later become drunk because a toy company sent them a bunch of free figures for promoting them and and the card companies sent them a bunch of free cards because they promoted them that this this was way before that because that all happened the, the, the kind of the downfall of wizard is something that I've talked about I don't want to I'm, I'm never gonna do a full episode on it I know some of you are, are, are so like do an episode on it I, I that's just I don't have that bandwidth but I can talk about in intermittent stages you know how how the how, how the magazine was launched and then it was later compromised and then just completely came to its own demise but the fascinating thing um that I that I want to share in regards to creator, and creator credits was actually penned by one of my favorite writers. His name is David Michelinie, and David Michelinie wrote some of my favorite issues of the Avengers of Iron Man and of Spider-Man. He is one of the most celebrated writers of the bronze era. The Iron Man that he did with Romita jr. And Bob Layton uh, is the celebrated run. The first two Iron Man movies can't exist without it. The, the Kirby and, and Stanley stuff introduced the character, but then everything that happens after that, Um, you know, all of the storylines all the different armors, the armor wars, um, you know, war machine, all this stuff is, is a product of David's run and demon in a bottle, Bethany McCabe, um, um, just even, even as, as, as you will, um, find out, um, you know, the, the Scott Lang, the Ant-Man that Paul Rudd, uh, uh, you know, portrays on film is, is a product of David Miscellany and his collaborators. And so, uh, you know, the, 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 the the funny thing is in back in 2018, he penned a memo that he put out, um, to the entire world for the entire world to interact with. And, uh, it was really, really interesting in regards to, uh, you know, how he approached, uh, you know, this idea of, of creators, creator credit. And, uh, and, and, and so he wrote this on July 12th. Uh, you know, that was a good year for him. Ant-Man two, I think came out and then Venom was coming out. So he wrote this, he committed this. I'm going to read it to you. David Michelini, July 12th, 2018, random musings. This is again from David. So I'm reading from David. I usually try to avoid controversy both on this page and in my life, but escalating events most recently in an article at Comic Book Resources entitled, Who Created Scott Lang? Or, I'm sorry, Who Really Created Scott Lang? Forced me to weigh in on the topic of creator creation, of character creation, to weigh in on character creation in comic books. In the good old days, writers and artists pretty much created new characters because they wanted to. It was fun. It was a kick to see something that you made up appearing in the stories that you were telling. But then both Marvel and DC started programs where creators shared in revenues from new characters. I've touched on that. That is, was one of my, one of the silver linings of providing so many new characters. Again, I've told you guys, where Todd's like, what are what, you, what, 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 what are you doing creating all, all, all the new characters? It, it's making us look bad. Like, like everyone's like, where's your new characters? Like Rob. Okay. The silver lining was the shared revenue. Marvel's initially policy, initial policy declared that for them, the first person to write a new character and the first person to draw that character were technically and legally the character, the creator of the character, regardless of who had come up with it or when the character was actually first published. For example, again, this is David Michelinie. I'm reading from David's post from July 2018. I came up with a new character in a Marvel series that I was writing and introduced that character in a one-page teaser plugged into an ongoing, ongoing storyline. The regular penciler for whom I had and have nothing but tremendous respect and admiration drew that specific issue. In that teaser, the character appears in only one single panel seen from behind in black silhouette with no details. The artist moved on after that issue, but because of the single panel silhouette, he is considered by Marvel to be a co-creator of that character and has been paid accordingly. Let it be known that I am a great believer in giving credit where credit is due. Again, this is David Michelin that I'm reading from. And I readily admit to having co-created quite a few characters in the last four years. All of those characters introduced while Bob Layton and I were co-plotting, co-plotting, not single story, single plotting, co-plotting, sharing the story credit together. Iron Man, Jim Rhodes, Justin Hammer, the ghost, they were all co-creations because we worked out the stories and introduced those characters together. Same with characters, Shira Brie and others that were introduced when Walt Simonson and I worked on Marvel's Star Wars series, because again, we were sharing input on the plots. However, there are other characters that I come up with came up with entirely on my own, sitting at my desk in my office with no input from anyone else in the planet, characters that I put into plots along with their names, backgrounds, motivations, personalities, frequently visual descriptions, and even bits of speech patterns. These plots were seen by editors who, after approval, then sent them along to other creative individuals in the chain. But if I say I created such characters like Venom, Carnage, Taskmaster, Scott Lang, And so many, many more. Some will come back. But what about such and such? But what about he or she? And what they created? And according to some definitions, that is true. So, dot, 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 again, continuing. David Michelin is writing this. I'm going to change the terminology. Feel free to add co creator to my credits as much as you like, but the bottom line is that I and I alone originated these characters. I was the first to think of them. I brought them into this world. If I had never been here, these characters would not have been born, nor would they exist. And that is not a fact, an opinion, or an argument. That is a fact. An opinion, and argument cannot change that. The end. Let me read that last line. I'm going to change the terminology. Feel free to add co-creator to my credits as much as you like. But the bottom line is that I and I alone originated these characters. I was the first to think of them. I brought them into this world. And if I had never been born, these characters would not exist. And there's not a fact, opinion, or argument that can change that. The end. David Michelin. Let me just say, co-signed. Everything he wrote, I did not know David at the time of this. I have met him once since. I have great admiration that he wrote this, co-signed Rob Liefeld, co-signed. He covered all of it. The the weird um, uh, aspects that let people sneak in the door, coattail, whatever it is, um, That that is not for us to control. It's, it's, it's a relationship we enter into willingly, knowingly. Um, I got what I needed out of my um, creativity and it fueled me and it launched even more creativity with my own company. And, and a catalog of characters that are constantly being pursued, that go beyond the awesome stuff that I was able to contribute at Marvel. Now, when it comes to um, Deadpool and their, the scripter who was uh, won the job, uh, the, the, the job from Libdell and Mackie and all these other guys, the, the scripter does interviews in early wizard magazines. With uh, um, He does interviews where uh, issue four of wizard, like has, has, has this interview and it's, it's like insane. And, uh, and that it's this early on. I just, I just was not aware that it was this early on that this stuff would exist. But, uh, he talks about the fact that he is only scripting on new mutants with me. And, uh, that Marvel Age that I referenced earlier where I said that Deadpool would return in issue six in the early stages of promoting X-Force was in Marvel Age 102 if you want to look that up okay um the uh the the scripter in an issue of uh of of wizard wizard number four uh speaks to the fact he says in regards to why he even took the scripting he says uh he says, I write more dialogue in the New Warriors than I do in X-Force. In New Warriors, these characters enjoy talking to each other. The X-Force characters don't enjoy talking to each other as much yet. They understand that what they have been chosen to do is not exactly open to conversation. I don't see them t- sitting around talking about Magnum PI like they used to in the New Mutants. It's more about fighting. Um, Maybe maybe a slight dig there. Uh." It may be considered grim, and is certainly a different approach for me. He admits to his scripting work over New Mutants and X Force when I was providing stories. Um, the the funnest thing that that, that, that is in here. So in, in in here here's part of the you know what he's discussing is how definitely scripting is different than writing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the scripter says that he accepted. This is I'm reading from Wizard Four. He accepted the assignment to script X-Force because it allowed him to explore the side of youthful heroes he couldn't handle in the pages of New Warriors. If I'm willing to work in the comics medium and work for Marvel, I understand the parameters under which I am able to operate. I am able to do and say certain things about young superheroes in the Marvel universe that I cannot do in New Warriors because it's not appropriate for those characters. It's a good exercise, the scripture says, scripting over someone else's story. It keeps me fresh and I feel like it keeps me on... It, keeps, it helps me on my other writing. Of course, the money and the attention is great, but it's more than that. In many ways, it's an honor. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the the, the, the way, the, the contempt that I picked up on the scripting that I was receiving uh, was that it really was just for the money. And it was good money. It was house buying money. X-Force, if you scripted X-Force number one, you probably got a $300,000 check. Um, and I was thanked profusely by the scriptor, And I was so touched when he came up to me at San Diego and just wanted to tell me how much he appreciated the fact that he chose me to ride along in the X-Force mobile, and the New Mutants mobile, and that it provided him a house. And I was thrilled for him, for everybody I've ever helped elevate or or or, or break in or give a plum assignment, collaborate in this way. It's exciting. It's, it's, it's incredibly rewarding. And I, uh, I really appreciated that. I appreciated that sentiment a great deal. Um, it's it's interesting. All In, in New Mutants uh, 17, I believe, So I'm, I'm sorry, Wizard number 17, they speak of the New Mutants' heat on 98. It says he's lean, he's mean, and he's a butt-kicking machine. Who do you ask? Why Deadpool, of course, in issue number 98. Rob Liefeld introduced three new characters, Domino, Gideon, Deadpool. Domino was supposed to be the most important since she now co-leads X-Force, Gideon was next in line of importance since he will now play a major role in the life of disrupting Cable's mutant team. And then there's Deadpool, the antagonist. He turned out to be so much more. Fans cannot get enough of this wise-ass badass, and with other supervillain appearances skyrocketing in value, Sabretooth, Venom, New Mutants 98 is one hot ticket, and it shows the covered X-Force 2, which hasn't isn't out yet. so This is literally based on New Mutants 98. X-Force 2, it says, expect Deadpool to climb even higher in the popularity polls as his plans are revealed in future issues of X-Force. And it's got X-Force number two under coming soon, okay? So again, this is how the press was seeing this, was how they were interacting and and reacting to all of the stuff that was going on with the events in X-Force and New Mutants. And I want to close with this one element, so we've written the David Michelinie thing, which I concur and agree with 100%, whole cloth. That is, his sentiment is my sentiment. And uh, and the thing is that, um, you know, that people like to co-opt and grab a piece, sometimes bigger than than what what was intended or really literally does exist. Um, and, and over time, over 30 years, and that's why I'm doing the Making of Deadpool, this Making of Deadpool segment exists. To clarify, I was there, I'm there at the birth. He comes out of me. And there's this argument, no, th- th- there's nothing that would have changed. Uh with any uh, Scott Labdell the others would have all been using the same parameters. This is hilarious. In uh in in Wizard 17 they they interview the scripture, and uh the scripter specifically speaks to the fact that things are moving differently now. One of the major differences between when Rob Liefeld was plotting, and now that I'm plotting the book, is that I will slow down from time to time, let the reader catch up, before I start sprinting again. The change in speed isn't the only shift in X-Force since Liefeld left the title. The scriptor brought back two former New Mutants, and at the same time, he has separated Cable and Domino. The only um, X-Force's only adult figures from the rest of the team. I can't have Cable and Domino find X-Force because this Domino's never even met them. Okay. <clears throat> Interesting. Again, stylistically talking about now that he is doing the story as opposed to Rob Liefeld doing the story. But the best part, and this is how we're going to end today, whew, packed first chapter of the making of Deadpool in 1990, 1991. This is how it all goes down. The last in Wizard 17, I'm going to read verbatim uh, fr- from this uh, this interview uh, Speaking about putting Deadpool in an appearance in Nomad, which the scriptor was writing. Hopefully, I'll be able to show a little bit more about Deadpool, uh, also in his miniseries. I really like the character. The scriptor says Rob Liefeld created Deadpool's look and Deadpool's name, and I provide the snappy patter. And on that note. Uh, I think, again, there's nothing better than quoting from sources. That's an interview, not with me, but with the scriptor. That's two different wizards, Issues 4, Issue 17. Uh, a little bit of glimpse of how Deadpool was being viewed at the time, a potent new character who was hitting the toy shelves shortly after he was hitting the comic book stores. And there was no Dark Hawk toy at that time. There was no Sleepwalker toy. There was no Asriel toy over it. that There's this one thing that I've learned from time to time the myth spinners want to tell you everything got a toy everything got special that's not true that is 100 not true there, there's a time and a place to say these characters are special boba fett is special so special that he fought his way back to prominence in, in in the episodes of mandalorian is and is now on a new lease on life because guys who were nine years old when he appeared like myself are still devoted to him deadpool cable we can say certain characters are special venom carnage these characters are special I really appreciated reading the David Michelin. thing. think I've been waiting to do that for a long time. The making of Deadpool has many parts and many chapters. And we have just tickled the beginning of his 30th celebration, his 30th anniversary. I, 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 I hope you enjoy walking through my head the processes, going through... All of the pieces, how they fit together—the Boba Fett, the Jabba the Hut, the cable—as as Han Solo. I'm I generally wear my influences on my sleeve, as as openly as possible, because that's how the guys who before me did it. Um, Deadpool, Black and Red, great visual. I I don't I'm, I'm again looking at a shelf. None of these toys talk back to me. None of them say anything to me. They are just posed. There's 26 of them on the shelf. They are all 26 separate. Uh, and 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 in other shelves, there's another dozen, dozen, dozen. I think there's over a hundred Deadpool action figures. They don't say anything. They hold their gun. They hold their sword. They look badass. They have that visual that popped. Uh, he is the face that launched a mega franchise, just like Helen of Troy launched a thousand ships. Deadpool launched a million sales. You guys come back for issue part two as we get deeper into. I will talk. I will walk you through the Deadpool spinoffs how he drastically shifts and changes and the dangerous kind of tightrope between making him a mad magazine slash cracked character and, uh, and, 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 and and being more grounded. I'm going to take you to the set. Deadpool 1, Deadpool 2. We're going to do the movies. We're going to do the video games. This is the beginning of the journey. Thank you so much for joining me. Please follow me on social media. Spread the word. I am at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. At Rob Liefeld on Instagram. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld. Both have a blue check, says that I'm the real guy, not the fake person who's going to ask you to transfer money into his account for medical expenses. That's happened before. Don't be that guy. Look for the blue check. I'm on Facebook. I'm all over the internet. Please um, share, continue to share the podcast. You guys are outstanding. The audience, um, I, I just I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you listening. We went big. We went long this this episode. That's, that's what you told me. You guys want longer episodes. I'm going to try and deliver that in the new year. Thank you. You know the drill. Stay safe, take care of yourself, and we will talk again real soon.